Greetings, friends, and welcome to this Monday's program. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, uh, live and local, as always. Now, a busy weekend right on Friday. You probably heard the news uh, that Elon Musk released some internal documents that uh, he had collected after his takeover of Twitter. Now, he released these to journalist Matt Taibbi, and, uh, and Taibbi then proceeded to turn it into, of all things, a long Twitter thread. You have to understand what this is all about, too. You know, Elon is doing everything he can to drive eyeballs and usership and engagement on his new platform. So he was not just going to release this somewhere to be written on Substack, for example, where Taibi is a journalist, or uh, let's say at the New York Post, which is, of course, the publication aggrieved by all of the Twitter shenanigans, but rather he wanted this to come out on Twitter and get engagement on Twitter, and that is exactly what he got. Now, my take on this here, mind you, I have I have two ways of looking at this, uh, and, and and they're complementary. Right, as as an attorney, I have, you know, my my legal take, and certainly as a as an American conservative, I have my take on this as well. So the obviously, I don't think I need to belabor the point that this is outrageous, and that it confirms everything that we, I mean, suspected. I don't want to say that we already knew. I know a lot of uh, folks out there are. Uh, saying along this kind of the hot takes over the weekend or that, oh, well, we already knew that Twitter was against conservatives and plotting against us. We got it. You know, uh, how is this a news story? Well, I'm just saying it's a news story because now you're seeing the emails back and forth. You've got the smoking gun and, and you know, there's one thing having a suspicion or even being absolutely certain of something an entirely another matter to have the proof, to have the evidence of what it is that you suspect have happened uh, in front of you. So that that is what this is. We, we now know what this is all about. You see these emails between these clowns. I, what do I, I'm reading them. I just, I'm not going to read them to you here. That's not the point. I'm reading these emails over the weekend. I'm, I'm, I, my my first reaction to it is these these people have no fear they have no uh they're putting it all in 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 writing because they think they are absolutely in the right and they never ever suspected that any of this would ever see the light of day even at the point in time when they had democratic elected officials some congress uh Congressman reached out to to Twitter execs, said, hey, you know, we're big uh, Biden fans and, you know, we don't like that orange guy, but this is problematic. This is constitutionally troubling. And we don't like any of this. And even to that, then Twitter, uh, the folks over there, the admins uh, that were running this, this, this deliberate, right now we know, a deliberate, uh, you know, basically assist 
to Team Biden during the 2020 election, removing posts that were hostile to Biden, particularly those that dealt with the Hunter Biden laptop. Now, that was a news story. Did that tilt the election? Perhaps. It's not inconceivable that it would have been a factor. Now, that's the frame for what is happening as a cultural moment. Now, let me explain what is going on legally. And part of the reason you listen to this program is you get to have a conversation with a lawyer every day. So I, I think it's important I, I address it from that, that standpoint. Now, I liked that uh, Elon, when did he do this? Friday evening. He tweeted something that I have been saying here on this program for weeks. Those of you who listen will, will laugh because you, you know exactly that this is something that I've been, I, the point I have been belaboring. And what he, what he wrote in, the, in, in, his, in his tweet, and I'll read it to you. Quote, this is from Elon Musk, Friday evening. Twitter acting by itself to suppress free speech is not, is not a First Amendment vi- violation. But acting under, and he means Twitter, acting under orders from the government to suppress free speech with no judicial review, that is. Now, I've said this many, many times. We can debate the legal merits back and forth as to if a private entity social media platform can delete posts they don't like, moderate the content of your, the substance of your speech. I understand there's section 230. This is, uh, I'm not going to get too far in the weeds. There's, there's federal law protecting people like Twitter and Meta, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, from, from, you know, from recourse when they do remove harmful content. I also have explained there's, you know, I believe in an older Supreme Court case on point that protects free speech rights in a limited way on private property. I think that could extend to social media platforms. But when you have agents of the government reaching out to Twitter and Facebook uh, and any social media platform and saying, take this post down. Uh, because we don't like the content of the post. That is hugely problematic. That is constitutionally unacceptable because now you have the government acting to limit speech. And, and by the way, to, to put that limit in based on the content of the speech, right, the substance of it. Well, I don't know. This is where I'm unsure how this all is panning out because – as I understand it, the, the bulk of what was released on Friday has to do with the Biden campaign demanding that posts be taken down. And then, of course, the, the folks over at Twitter obliging. Now, insofar as it was Team Biden, the campaign, making these requests these were not governmental people, right? Because Biden was not yet president. So, you know, that's, that's one thing to be aware of. 
Now, we know, right, we are acutely aware that once Biden did become president, in fact, great efforts were made under the auspices of the Department of Homeland Security to remove harmful content from social media. And this effort culminated in the creation, the backdoor creation of a portal for the government by Facebook, by Meta, to flag posts that you know the government, the Biden administration felt was were, were harmful. And this was all under the guise of you know COVID misinformation and all that. Uh, but of course, that's deeply troubling. I've been talking about that now for for months. This was released, I think, in September, all the way at the end of the summer. So I, you know, I, I that's been out there, and we have evidence of that already, which to me in fact, is far more egregious constitutionally, problematic, more problematic legally than what has been, you know, put forward on Friday. Now, I'm not saying, right, I'm, point is I'm not saying that what was released on Friday isn't meaningful and isn't egregious and doesn't show a pattern of collusion where an important, maybe the most important platform for rapidly disseminating information, debating information, public discourse in the country on the eve of a presidential election, decided to collude with one candidate over the other. I mean, that is huge. I get it. To the extent that there were government agents, people from the FBI, people from, I don't know, wherever in the deep state that were sending messages to Twitter and saying, yes, we believe this Hunter Biden laptop was stolen and we think you should remove this post and targeting giving specific posts, linking certain posts, sending certain posts to management at Twitter, asking them to be removed and then Twitter obliging. That's that's impermissible. So people are asking me now, where does this go? How does this get? Is there now, is there a lawsuit, right? You've heard of James Woods, the actor who is, uh, Jimmy Woods, really a brilliant conservative guy, very outspoken, very active on Twitter, huge following, and of course was, uh, was silenced and shut down and booted off his account multiple times during the 2020 election. And now there's evidence presented that, in fact, he was specifically targeted. His tweets were specifically removed at the behest of the uh, Biden campaign. So is there a case there? I want to get into that uh, when we return. Uh, there, yeah, and, and, and also, well, you know, what, what effect does this really have? What's the result of this? Because the reactions on the left, you'd think they just got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. I mean, as red-handed as you can be, and they are blasé about it. They don't think they've done anything wrong. So what happens? I have some thoughts you don't want to miss. Sam Rajofsky here. You're listening to The What's Right Show, News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Oh, Michael Avenatti's in the news today. 
I gotta mention that. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Uh, Michael Avenatti, of course, famous for representing Stormy Daniels uh, in her takedown of President Trump. When Trump was President Avenatti, the big-time Democrat trial lawyer from California, who's gotten himself uh, into one legal mess after another, is now facing disbarment was sentenced to a lot of time in jail today. Hours ago, a judge in California, a federal judge, sentenced Avenatti to 19 years in prison. This was a sentence for stealing money from his clients. Absolutely despicable. The sentence itself was 168 to 120 months, so the minimum on that's 10 years, but it was a, it was put consecutively with his other terms. So he, it basically, he's already in jail, I think for, for five or six years on another, on another case from New York. So he, this, he just gets bolted on. To give you an idea what this was all about, he had one client, a guy named Jeffrey Johnson. This client was mentally ill. He's a paraplegic. He was on disability. He got hurt, and in a lawsuit against the county of Los Angeles out in California, Johnson won, with Avenatti's help, a $4 million award. The money was wired to Avenatti in 2015, and he kept almost all of it. If you want to read something absolutely devastating, it's this client's impact statement. In part, it reads, to this day, I do not know why Michael lied and deceived me, why he broke my trust, why he broke my heart. I trusted him implicitly. I believed the things he told me. To this day, I have a hard time trusting people because of what Michael did. I live in constant fear of being taken advantage of again and again. It's a client who had almost $4 million taken from him by Again, Michael Avenatti. Now, another client who was a, a, a boyfriend, a former boyfriend of a basketball player who played for the Miami Heat. Uh, this is like Alexis Gardner. Um, <clears throat> I, I guess that the, there, there, there was a two, almost $3 million settlement there that Avenatti stole and used it to buy a private jet. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I, I'm not surprised why people loathe, and I mean loathe, personal injury lawyers. I say this as a personal injury lawyer, absolutely despicable. So he's going to rot in jail for, you know, for a long time. Also ordered to pay about $8 million in restitution, even though the government claims that he, he took almost $30 million. Uh, from his clients uh, over the course of this fraud. He also stiffed a bunch of baristas. because I guess he owned Tully's Coffee for a while, you know, that chain of coffee shops. And so, you know, whenever, ever, he, would, he, he didn't pay any of the federal withholding taxes. So, you know, when you get a check and there's a certain portion of that that goes to the federal government in withholdings, he just decided to keep that money and never sent on each, you know, baristas, each employee's, money that was owed to the government. Imagine doing that. 
And I want to point something out that's really important. He was doing all of this. This despicable, awful behavior was all going down at the exact same time that he was making the rounds on TV, going to The View, yucking it up with Joy Behar, lecturing all of us on what an evil scumbag Donald Trump is. That is the part of this that isn't being told in this delightful article written by the LA Times. So, you know, I'm just, this is, you know, I, I, I hope he, I hope he, you know, has a great time in prison. Leave it at that. So, the Twitter matter. Uh, well, I, right before the break, I'm, people are asking me, what do I think are the legal ramifications of this? And I, I will tell you, the evidence now that was released uh, via Matt Taibbi by Elon Musk showing that people, individuals were targeted for their speech and, and, and were, at, were you know, targeted by the Biden campaign, I, I, I think that there certainly is a, um, a, a lawsuit that could be brought by individuals, particularly people with a big following, uh, that you know that that were that were locked out of their accounts, and the the, the lawsuit could be brought uh, against Biden. So this goes to, to the heart of the guy who's president right now. It is such a big deal, and I can't overstate that it is such a big deal that it explains why everyone's saying there's. Everyone who's out to defend Biden saying that there's nothing to see here, folks, nothing to look at. This isn't a problem. Right after the Twitter files dropped, MSNBC on the 11th hour show with Stephanie Rule brought on NBC News journalist Brandy Zadrigny. And she had this to say, and this, by the way, I think is an indicator of where all this is headed. It was a really helpful thing, actually, the Twitter files today, because we got to see how content moderation works. We got to see how when a group of people with differing political ideas and ideologies and views gets together in the spirit of making a platform safe and healthy and right before an election, Right when we knew, we had just learned of like the hack and leaks and WikiLeaks and all the stuff that that did to hurt um, and to affect the 2016 election. In 2020, they were heightened, right? People were trying to do the right thing inside Twitter. Oh, they were just trying to do the right thing. Glossing over the fact that they're doing the bidding of one candidate over the other. By the way, there were emails released with, it was Trump's press secretary who was locked out of her account. And they're emailing, they're frantically emailing people at Twitter. And Twitter's like, ah, you know, we'll get around to it. Now, it is a prima facie constitutional violation to, to if, if it was any governmental person that came in, folks. Anybody from the government. I, it could be a cop. It could be an FBI agent. It could be I, I, the second shift grill cook at the Pentagon. Anyone from the government comes along and, and, and puts in requests that Twitter, Facebook, Meta, 
you name it, take content down based on what is in it content-wise, that is a major problem. I feel like there's going to be more to come here, and certainly we'll follow this story. Um, speaking of Supreme Court decisions, big Supreme Court case that is similar to that baker that was fined a bunch of money for refusing to bake a wedding cake for a gay wedding. Remember that? Well, there's another case like it that is also outrageous. I want to talk to you about that. We'll do that when we come back. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Rarely wrong, always right, Sam Rajofsky. Your host of the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234. Friends, I know I sometimes sound like a broken record on this California stuff, but that state next door to us is bananas. I don't know how else to put it. Have you been following this reparations story? Yeah, Newsom set up a panel to determine if black citizens in California should be paid money for a harm done to them by slavery. So we have, I'll put it, you know, another way. Uh, I mean, California has been a free state since when? <laughs> the beginning? Uh, it is a mess. It is a pile, this report, that's now been completed and recommends giving money to uh, people of color, uh, black Americans, Californians, living in California, residents, to compensate them for racial injustice. Now, this uh, goes back to harms that, uh, I guess, according to the report, came at the end of the 19th century. How many generations would that um, make the uh, folks getting compensated removed from the folks that actually suffered the harm? Quite a few. Doing the math on my my fingers here uh, as I do this. It's called live radio. I didn't have that answer uh, prepared, but quite a few, no? And let me ask another, <clears throat> another question here. So who's paying this money? Right, imagine for a second now, and a number of you don't need to imagine, you are California residents. I know uh, a number of you do uh, listen to the show on a regular basis and are... Uh, you know, get the podcast. So you, 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 we, you know, you're there. You're in California. Your tax dollars are going to fund this. This has nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, to do with uh, making reparations and making you know, you know, wrongs right. I am the first person who will advocate for that. This is a power grab 
by the fringe lunatic left within California. And by the way, that's saying something. If you're the fringe lunatic left in California, that really puts you on the outskirts of, uh, of ration. But it is also incredibly patronizing and, and fundamentally racist. So I'm going to shake my head at this and remind all of us here in Nevada that we can be grateful that even when our state seems to be teetering on, uh, on, on the absurd, that, that, that it could always be worse. And to, to see that, you know, just keep driving toward Prim and, and don't stop. Pfft, unbelievable. Now, here's another case I wanted to bring by. By the way, I feel like we're doing a lot of First Amendment conversating here, which is fine, because the First Amendment is one of those things that everybody throws it out there. A First Amendment's a First Amendment violation, and not always. And then also certain things might not seem like they're First Amendment, but they are. And one of those issues was, you remember maybe, what was it, 2018? 2018, there was a, a guy, Jack Phillips, he was a Colorado baker. He made, he had a small business, he made elaborate wedding cakes. And he had a gay couple come to him that wanted a wedding cake. He says, no, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I don't believe in gay marriage, so go pound sand. Not gonna do it. I, you can't make me bake you a cake. Now, he uh, ran afoul of a law in Colorado that... Uh, you know, that's an equal protection law. And this equal protection law basically uh, is enforced by a commission, a human rights commission in Colorado, and they find him and basically, I mean, I don't remember if they put him out of business, but I mean, it was not good for this guy for a while. And it was one of those conversations where everyone came up to me during that time and just every you know conservative friend of mine at every cocktail party every dinner everywhere i went everybody would ask me sam you're a lawyer you explain this to me how does this make any sense and i said well you know it's tricky because you know you you it is permissible for the government to make it illegal for you to discriminate based on someone's immutable characteristics you can you, that's that's been constitutionally permitted and I said it will it will hinge on the First Amendment. And it will hinge on free speech, not free exercise. Now, free exercise has to do with religion. You can exercise whatever religion you want as long as it doesn't harm other people. But free speech has two components to it. First Amendment free speech protections. And it's very important you know this because one of them, the one that's most often cited, is the government can't prevent you from speaking. A very few exceptions to that rule. And any limits that the government places on your freedom to speak have to survive the strict scrutiny standard, highest standard in constitutional law. There's a, there's a negative or a flip side to that. And the flip side is the government also cannot compel you to speak. And so at the root of that Jack Phillips case, ultimately the Supreme Court came down and said, yeah, we, you know, we think that this was, in his particular case, his wedding cakes are a personal expression. They're creative. Each one of these cakes is a one-off creation. 
and the government coming along and forcing him, this baker, to bake a cake that endorses something that he personally doesn't believe in is a violation of that of that prohibition that the First Amendment has that you know the government can't make you say something or create something. Right? Okay. So there's another case just like it. And guess from what state? Ha ha ha, you guessed right. It's from Colorado. So there's a web designer. <laughs> Went from wedding cakes to web designers. Uh, company's called 303 Creative. I think 303 is a reference to the area code. Her name's Lori Smith. <clears throat> and I guess and we're back to the gay wedding. There's a couple that wants a website for their wedding. And she goes, I'm not going to make you a, a website. So the case has been heard today, meaning the Supreme Court sitting, you know, impaneled all the justices are listening to oral arguments. And by the way, side note, this is a very nerve-wracking deal. My law partner, Ash Watkins, her dad, Norm Watkins, successfully argued, I want to say four, maybe five cases at the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court. Terrifying. Little green light goes on. You can speak. They cut you off. Then the justices begin peppering you with questions. They'll cut you off. I mean, it doesn't matter. You could be the number one legal eagle, you know, top professor at you know of constitutional law at Harvard, and these justices are going to dress you down uh, if they feel like it. It is. It is pretty insane stuff. So they, 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 they went around and around. But one of the things that's really interesting about these oral arguments, these questions that get peppered, you get an idea of where the justices are headed on this. And it seems to me that they're, again, going to go back down this, this path. Now, my, I'm curious. I, I would think that Colorado, having you know, run afoul once of the Supreme Court, would, would lay off of this. And the important takeaway here is, we saw it here with one of the questions that we, I guess, in our great wisdom as voters in the state of Nevada passed, whenever you see these equal rights and human rights and you know, non-discrimination type language, people vote for that. Because, of course, we all agree on the fact that discrimination is bad. Okay. I mean, as a kind of high-level concept, discrimination is not good. But buried in that language, and where we had it happen here in Nevada, buried within that language for some of these, many times for these laws that get passed at a state level, is really an an enormous amount of, of enforcement ability that can be directed toward people who are, have their own rights that shouldn't be discriminated, right? That they shouldn't be discriminated for. And that, you know, that subtlety, of course, is uh, rarely uh, respected because the, you know, the, 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 the folks over there that are the activists who are the, who have the left-wing agenda, they, they want, of course, they, they, they want to come after anyone who dissents with, you know, with, with every legal uh, tool available in that, in that arsenal. 
And so my, my, my takeaway here is that Colorado put in this law and this law was, you know, was, was probably a lot of, you know, well-meaning people, you know, voted for it and supported it on the basis that, you know, that it was going to be good. But it is being used to, to attack people. Now, the, 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 the rule here really is it comes down to that individual expression. There was an example given of a, you know, a Hindu calligrapher. You know, would he be required to, you know, with his own hand, you know, draw out a Christian prayer? Let me put a more egregious example out there. Could you require, uh, say, uh, a, a person of Islamic faith to write by his own hand or create a, a, a some kind of an artistic piece mocking his prophet so, I mean I, I don't I certainly don't think so and that's that's where you know that's where this this approach this constitutional approach has a tremendous amount of wisdom and the and and it seems to me that the Supreme Court now is really moving toward making this all about you know the the amount of, of personal you know of, of creative, input that goes into making whatever it is now if you if you make something creative and you make 10 of them or 20 of them or a thousand of them doesn't really matter the number but if you make multiples of it and you put it out for sale no you cannot by law discriminate if that if your state has a non-discrimination statute you can't discriminate you can't say well i'm not going to sell that to a gay couple you can't do that but creating something uh, you know, from scratch, be it a website. Now, we don't have the ruling on this yet, but it sounds to me from what I was hearing today that, you know, they're going to go the same way that they did with the baker back in 2018, Jack Phillips. So interesting stuff. I think this is all uh, kind of the right, the right approach. So finally, with the Constitution, uh, yeah, this, yeah, Trump stepped in. I'll get into it here. We got to take a quick break. I'll get into it. Sam Rajovsky, The What's Right Show, continues after this. Hey, it was great to see all of you at the HSK game, Henderson Silver Knights, Dollar Loan Center Arena. Sam Rajovsky here, your host of The What's Right Show. I was <clears throat> at the game on Saturday, as were many of you course it was the lucky launch second annual lucky launch which sam and ash injury law sponsored uh and it was spectacular to see all of you there everybody uh, bringing uh, not just one or two sometimes three four five stuffed animals to donate and the setup was the the deal was we, we were all waiting for the first goal and yeah so i got there and they they took me down to the zamboni tunnel at their dollar loan center, and this is fun. So I, I'm I'm sitting there. I'm I'm hanging out with Lucky, and with uh, with Harold, the town crier, and I'm uh, I'm I'm you know we're just I'm, we're just we're waiting for a goal. We're ready for it to rain bears, uh, which finally happened right at the start of the. Right, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It it happened. It happened like not quite midway. It was a long wait. 
And, uh, and so we get out there and it's, uh, it's just, I mean, you're getting pelted with bears. I'm helping clean up, so I'm on the ice and I don't know. It was just, it was just a spectacular event. And I'm, I'm always, I don't want to say, I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly awed by the generosity of this community. And of course, one of the charities, Toys for Tots, is one that we are very passionate about supporting. These are Marines that give their time every holiday season to make sure that kids in need get toys under the tree and in their stockings. And so uh, what they do is they get uh, donations from all over the valley. And we have a drop-off box right here at our office, uh, Sam and Ash Injury Law 1102. Uh, South Casino Center Boulevard. Come on down and 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 bring a toy if you can. It's going to go through the 21st of December. This is a very very important cause. But uh, my understanding uh, that is that the uh, the Silver Knights are still we're still counting the bears. We think it's going to be over 57,000 stuffed animals that got collected at and right before the game. That's an insane number. So I'll have you know I'll have updates for you as they as they come out. But it's it's um, it was it was really fun and 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 great uh, great to be there. Uh, was on air for a bit with Brian McCormick. Uh, got to hang out with some some fabulous people, meet many of you, and talk about hockey and 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 the show. So that was that was a, a pleasant uh, experience. My brought my daughter and her friend, and they had a um, they had a they had a great time. They absolutely did. And then I went home and fell asleep. I was <clears throat> absolutely exhausted. It's been it was a busy week, and fortunately Sunday was a a day of respite, so I needed that. Excellent. So Trump, 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 Trump. What does he do here? Oh boy, friends. He well, he says this. He puts this out on Truth Social when the document dump through Matt Taibbi. Or the Twitter uh, fiasco comes out, Trump puts out this statement. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. I, I think probably Trump has to regret this tweet today. Because three days later, it has not aged well. And he's, you know, people are denying that he's said what he said. It's, unfortunately, it's, it's written right there. I, I, did, I don't know. I can't say what he meant to say. didn't mean to say, but he wrote it. Which is, you know, m- my thought, and as a conservative, is always to defend the Constitution at all costs. So I am never looking to suspend the constitution i just want to keep you know crazy leftist revisionists away from it and i want to stay to true to obviously what it what it means i you know i've spent a large portion of the show explaining why perhaps some of what we saw on friday does not pass constitutional muster and it's and is that the behavior is contrary to the prescriptions in the constitution now, if I was Trump, I would be righteously pissed by these revelations because it is proof that he was conspired against. 
So is he going to, you know, is he going to be upset and angry and lashing out and frustrated? Absolutely. Because guess what? Uh, he, <laughs> he's, he is clearly one of the victims of this, not just the individual account holders whose tweets were removed, not just the New York Post that had a scoop, had a great story, had a piece of journalism that was throttled, but you had a campaign that was clearly conspired against by Twitter together you know with with of course uh, his opponent so Trump's feeling this and he's and then he's upset but this 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 tweet here is uh, his approach to this is not helpful yes I, I certainly the, fa- uh, the founders would not condone uh, fraudulent elections but a prescription for fixing it is in the Constitution hopefully all of this is a wake-up that we need to get back to the basics of things that matter. And the Constitution does have continuing relevance to this day. All right, friends, that's the music. Uh, this hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. I'll be back here tomorrow. Looking forward to that. See you then.